In life, it's not always about how hard are you going to fight for yourself. Sometimes it's how hard are others going to fight for you. Hey everybody, welcome back to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today we're going to cover the case of Peggy Clink. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, today was one of my besties' birthdays, so I've had a few cocktails. (laughs) Margaret Peggy Clink was born December 2nd, 1970 in Youngstown, Ohio. Her family later moved to their hometown in Portland, Ohio. She was a hard worker. She was goal-oriented. She was beautiful and had a great personality. Not only was she a health nut herself. In 1998, at the age of 27, she decided to move to Albuquerque, New Mexico. While she was there, she taught a 6 a.m. yoga class. Oh, hell no and enrolled in a medical school at the University of New Mexico. She wanted to be a doctor. While she was there, she met Patrick Lee Kennedy. He was a few years older than her, and he was already divorced with a seven-year-old daughter. He decided he wanted to go back to school to be an engineer. They both had math and science classes, so they saw each other when they would go to study group. He seemed like a really great and charming guy. He seemed attentive. He seemed like a good dad. Before you knew it, they were a couple. Everything was going really good with them. She felt like, you know what, this this could be something. She got homesick and decided that she wanted to go home for the holidays, back to Ohio. And she told Patrick that when she got back, that the two of them would do something special together since he seemed a little bummed out that she was leaving for the holidays. She didn't want to leave him out, but she needed family time. Well, while she's there, Patrick shows up and that just kind of threw everybody for a loop, including Peggy. I mean, could you imagine your home? You just started dating this guy and he just shows up in another state. Like, how did he even know the address? That's something that she couldn't figure out. How did he know where my mother lives? All she said is she was going back to Ohio to spend the holidays with her mother. Her family thought that he tried way too hard to make them like him and it kind of didn't work. You don't just show up on people's doorsteps. First of all, I'm sorry, but that's rude. How do you know they have space for you? How do you know they have food for you? You don't just do that. Like, yeah, no, that's not creepy at all. While he was there, he did kind of mention to her that he couldn't live without her. I mean, I guess that's clear now. But he told her, like, I want you to move in with me. And the girl did it. See, he had an excuse for everything. It's like his gift was he knew how to make creepy things seem loving. It's like, well, of course I crashed your freaking family vacation. But it's because I know how important family is to you. Things like that. Like, okay, but nobody invited you. Honestly, I don't know how I would have dealt with that. I I really don't. Once they started living their new life together, things started to change. She noticed that he was starting to become more jealous and more controlling. He needed to be with her at all times. He always wanted to know where she was going, who was she with. It started to get a little bit much. 
Over their three-year relationship dealing with all of this, her final straw was when her best friend was getting married back in her hometown, Ohio, and Peggy was the only one invited. Patrick was not invited. He found out and he canceled her ticket, then bought two tickets so they could go together. I don't know how to react to that. That's so intrusive. That is, you weren't invited. I'm a little curious if she flat out said, but you weren't invited. Or was she like, okay, I guess you'll be my plus one. Sounded like there was no plus one. Nobody liked this guy. Everyone saw him pretty much for what he is. And so did Peggy. By this time, she's done. So in March of 2002, she packed one suitcase and she took off. She had a friend, Marie, who was a good friend of hers, and she hid out there for a little bit. He had no clue where she was. His only contact to her was through the phone. So... (laughs) Trust me, he used it. He called and he called and he called. It was nonstop. He was not happy that he wasn't getting his way. He wasn't going to let her go. It wasn't going to be that easy. Even though she escaped from the house, she's trying to start her life over again. Obviously, she still has to make a living. She still has to teach her class. So she does. She still teaches her yoga class and that's where she meets a new guy in her class. He worked in pharmaceuticals and he was very nice. She decided one day just to get her mind off of shit that's happening with Patrick that she was gonna go and just hang out with the guy, see what happens. But it turns out she really liked him. He seemed like a really good guy. He had a good job and she started to feel like maybe this is the kind of person that she was really meant to be with the whole time. She was always up front with him about Patrick, about what was going on, that pretty much he wasn't going away and she wanted him to be aware of that. You know, that's kind of extra baggage. If you're not really down for that, I get it. I don't want you to be all into it and you see all this crazy shit happening while we're a couple months in and then you bow out. Like, are you in it or are you in it? He was in it. In the middle of her trying to take control back of her life, one evening she is in for a pretty big surprise. She's walking home, it's dark, and all of a sudden there's Patrick. And she got scared because first of all, how do you know where I am? Second of all, what the fuck are you doing? And he proposes. The guy proposes. Now, call me crazy. If a girl moves out without your knowledge and then kind of tries to fall off the radar, I'm pretty sure she doesn't want to get married. But I mean, some people might be into that stuff. I don't know. I don't judge. She told him, no, Patrick, it's over. We're done. Not gonna marry you. He did not take that very well. So he decided that revenge was going to be what wins her back because duh, what girl doesn't like drama? The first scenario that I saw was when I watched Your Worst Nightmare on ID. They said that he made 300 flyers with Peggy's picture, her phone number, and he kind of like scribbled stuff on it like horse slut, call me, you know, I fuck anybody, stuff like that. Another scenario that I read was in articles from Monsters and Critics and the Napa Valley Register, and they said that he went and spray painted vulgar graffiti on Peggy's mother's garage door back in Ohio. So I don't know if one, both, either way, like, dude, he's losing it. 
She takes the flyer to the police and they told her like, we're sorry, but this is just a piece of paper. Come back when something happens. You know, and that's what's bullshit. People need to take stalking seriously. These people are on a mission. They don't just become unobsessed one day. It's not until they get what it is that they're going for. There is an end goal in these situations. You can't let it get to that point. In June of 2002, Peggy and her new man, they were in Florida for a wedding. And the night after the ceremony, he got a call. Somebody was telling him that his house was on fire. They left Florida and they came back home. They went right to the police. And, you know, they wanted them to know that, yes, this is an arson investigation, but it's also due to because of stalking. It's a stalking prevented fire. She lets them know everything that's been going on and the guy pretty much says, you know, there's really nothing they can do. That she should start a notebook. And in the notebook, write down everything. She wants to file charges, so they're going to need more evidence. And them collecting the evidence was going to take time. So by her starting this on her end was going to really speed things up. She told them that she was actually scared for her life. That she felt like he's not going to stop until he gets what he wants. And she was very spot on. I mean, it's obvious that this woman, she was in danger. So she got the phone records. She put a copy of the flyer that he put out, text messages, the arson report, anything and everything that she could think of that would help prove her case. All the times that he came around, the stalking. When she got it all together, she went back and she got a restraining order and she filed the stalking charges. He was arrested, but then made bail. This is another problem. I personally feel like stalking cases, they either need to be handled like as soon as possible, or no bail should be allowed. People stalk because of obsession. Obsession rules their life. You think because they got arrested for 12 hours, that's gonna stop them because it's not. A restraining order doesn't stop them. It's just a piece of paper to them. In August of 2002, she decided that she was gonna leave town because she was not confident in the police that they were gonna help protect her. She moved into a small apartment in Turlock, California, and she worked at Pharmaca, which was an international pharmaceutical company, and she kept to herself. The trial kept getting put off over and over and over again, which just let him roam the streets free. Their first trial was set for September. Then it got moved to October. And then the last trial that they set the date for, it was January 23rd of 2003. January 18th, 2003, we're talking days before they're due to go to trial, Patrick found her thanks to a private investigator. He got into her home and he attacked her. While this is going on, her neighbor is knocking at the door. Somehow she gets to the door, runs out the door, and then her and the neighbor, they go to her house. That way they can try to call 911. And they are able to, but there's not enough time to save them. When they went into her room, they locked themselves into one of her closets but he was able to break his way into the closet. He ordered the neighbor, the person who lived there, to leave. 
And so she left the apartment. Once they were alone, he took her out of the closet. And, you know, he's kind of knocking her around the apartment. SWAT team arrives on the scene. But they're kind of scared to enter because they don't want him to shoot her. They don't know exactly where they are. But they can hear something. So they start to try to talk to her through the door. I think she saw the writing on the wall and knew that this man was just not going to allow her to live her life. So she asked the officer to do her three favors. The first one, to tell her mother that she loves her. The second one was to tell her nieces that they will have a guardian angel in heaven. And the third one was to tell her sister to name her baby after her. If that is not heartbreaking, I don't know what is. As soon as she got out those three orders, she was shot in the back of the head. And then Patrick turned the gun on himself, shooting himself in the head. They were both dead instantly. He went there with a plan. If he couldn't have her, no one was going to have her. It's time stalking is taken more seriously. These are dangerous behaviors that go unpunished. The fact that you have to wait for something to happen before justice can be done is bullshit because by then it's too late. She did everything right. She changed her phone number. She changed her home. She went to freaking California. She kept it a secret. She wouldn't tell anybody where she went. And he still found her and he still killed her. She was failed by the justice system, just like so many cases are. It's time to open up our eyes and start seeing shit for what it is and start fixing the problems. Does anybody care? I could rant and rave <laughs> on that all freaking night. I will be heading over to the After Hours edition if you'd like to join me to get your crime cap. A lot of times I do forget things in my episodes, so that's a good place to get forgotten information. And you can find that at my Patreon page. Have you been to the website yet? Crimeovercocktails.com. There you can listen to the episodes. You can check out merch. Some new things were added, which I absolutely love. And you can help support the show by going to the Patreon page. Make sure when you're listening to these episodes, you are like, following, subscribing. If you like the show, please leave a five-star review. If you have any questions, comments, if you are a victim of a crime or you know of a crime that you would like to talk about, reach out to me. You can contact me at crimeovercocktails at gmail.com. You can contact me on the website, crimeovercocktails.com, or you can send me a message on Instagram. Also on Instagram, you get to see what these people look like if you're a creeper like I am. So if you want to follow me there, I will see you there as well. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. And we'll talk crime another time. Bye. Bye.